Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Pandemic. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer, publisher, and thoroughly nice guy, Mark Wade, about what comics he's been reading during the pandemic. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, who have a new summer special coming out this June. The special features strips from the 77 Brawler Space Warp Sentinel Wallop, and of course the Comic Scene Annual. Plus, a free limited edition print of the cover is included with every purchase. To get your copy of the summer special, you must be part of the Comic Scene Comic Club, which is available from just £3 a month at comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Mark Wade. How's it going? Good, sir. Good evening. How are you? I am fantastic and all the better for speaking to you. Um, it's it's a real honour to have you on. And I was kind of saying before before we came on air, um, my, my usual question is, um, what you do in the world of comics, but but there are going to be exceedingly low numbers of people that don't know who, who Mark Wade are in the world of comics. But but just to give people a flavour, what do you do in the world of comics, Mark? Sure. Okay. Let's see. I mean, I'm primarily a writer, but I've also been a penciler, an inker, a colorist, a letterer, uh, and a publisher, an editor, an editor in chief, a creative uh, creative chief officer, uh, a store owner. I. I've done everything but literally put the staples into the comics. So that's my somewhere in my head is a unified, <laughs> and there's still time, right? Yeah, somewhere in my head is this unified field theory of comics now, and I've just got to sit down and, and make sense of it. Uh, absolutely, I, w- I would read that book in a hmm. second. Definitely, uh, maybe that you should you should write a book like that. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, and uh, where where can people find you online? Uh, generally, Mark Wade on Twitter, uh, which I don't check terribly often, so you're not going to get a robust conversation out of there just because we all know what Twitter is these days. Um, and then uh, Wade Mark on Instagram and uh, MarkWade.com. Fantastic. And of course, um, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So go click through, follow Mark here, there and everywhere. And of course, go check out his website as well. Um, now, um, it's it's been an interesting year. For comics, <laughs> so we're putting it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so just, just to kick things off, how... How have you adapted? How do you feel like you've had to adapt to the changing landscape in the past year? Well, I have to wear several hats because on, as a writer, I didn't honestly didn't have to adapt very much at all because I'm, I'm, my, my friends know me as the Loch Ness Monster. This is the guy you occasionally see glimpses of maybe, but I spend most of my time in my home. Uh, on, a per, on a more professional level, I'm also the publisher of Humanoids. Uh, which is a European-based graphic novel company. They've got the Incal. They've done work with Mobius over the years, and they're doing a lot more American work now. So they, they brought me on as publisher uh, a year ago, and uh, I guess March of, of last year, and I came aboard, and I sat down with the crew, and I said, listen, I'm all excited about what we're going to do and where we're going to go with all this, and don't be afraid to bring me any problems. I don't think 
I don't think there's anything in comics I haven't seen before. I don't think there's a problem I haven't seen before. And then in an act of Icar- an act of hubris, like echoed only by Icarus taking to the skies, I actually said these words. I said, in fact, I look problem- look forward to you bringing me a problem I've never seen before. <laughs> that afternoon, one of our editors admitted she had another job over, you know, overseas. Uh, that was Monday. On Tuesday, half of our backstock got blown away by a freak tornado that hit a truck in Tennessee. And then Wednesday, we all know what happened when suddenly someone pulled the switch and the entire country shut down. So there was a lot of a lot of adapting that had to be done. It's you know an office environment is unique and you don't realize what you get out of, as a publishing company, you don't realize what you get out of the environment of being in an office until it's gone, which is, it seems like, you know, everybody's doing okay, working off zoom and, and working at home and so forth. And we're still doing that. Uh, but there's nothing that quite compares to the energy that's created by having creative people in a, in a, you know, in a shared space, just knocking ideas around or just that, just that energy in general, or just the convenience of being able to knock your, knock on a guy's door and, and stick your head in and ask a quick question. Uh, and so that's been, that's been the real place to adapt is trying to lead a team in incredibly unprecedented times. And I would proud to say we, we've come out the other side stronger. Uh, we, unlike a lot of other publishers, we were very lucky in that we had, uh, enough in the bank to be able to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to push our entire slate back a few months and we're going to use this time to create a vision and to figure out what kind of publisher we want to be going forward and, and refine what we're going to be doing. And that worked out well for us. So, uh, you know, it, it, I don't want to say blessing in disguise because that trivializes it and it would also be a hell of a disguise, but it, it certainly has, we've managed to make something out of it. So that's been the, that's been the adapting process. And then kids here in the States, you know, uh, they just reopen pretty much everything. Uh, everybody is asking me the more, the Memorial day, three day weekend is this weekend. And somebody asked me this morning, what are your plans? I'm like, are you kidding me? I can't go out this week. This is the one weekend that every Californian in the state is going to be out doing stuff. You know, uh, they find they're finally free. I'm going to be the guy who stays inside on Memorial day week. So, that is my plan. That was a long answer to your question. <laughs> Not at all. That was a, that was really interesting, Mark. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been a, an interesting year um, across the, across the board, really. Um, and it it sounds like humanoids has, has adapted very well to to the changing landscape. And of course, there's, there's been a couple of changes as well kind of with other well-known companies such as marvel and yeah. dc kind of changing yeah. changing their distribution model as well um uh, what, what, what do you think about that i'm i am pleasantly surprised at the durability that the market is showing in the face of all of these changes and all of these shifts i'm i'm you know you could have made a case a year ago that the direct market was going to take such a major hit that it would have it would have been hard to recover. You could have made a case, you know, a year ago that most comic stores and Diamond would have completely gone out of business. Luckily, you know, people found a way, and we've lost some stores, which is a tragedy. We've also had some stores open, which is which is great too. And 
you know, everybody's managing to deal with the fact that DC is now going with a different distributor and now Marvel's doing something different themselves and Diamond doesn't quite, is the main distributor for years and years, suddenly doesn't have DC and Marvel at their disposal. How are they going to survive as a company? I don't have the slightest idea. Uh, I wish them the best, but I have no idea how they're going to survive. And it's, it's just interesting watching from the sidelines and seeing that even with all of this chaos, even with all of this tumult, that stores are still opening and still selling comics on Wednesday and still basically doing, you know, as okay as they can under the circumstances, which I find heartening. Yeah, it really is. And kind of shows how, how resilient the comics community yeah. is, um, which, it, which is kind of fantastic to see. Um, and uh, of, of course, from a, from a creative angle, it's been an interesting year because of course there was a bit of a kind of a bit of a break really um, from actually kind of launching and releasing comics. Yeah. Um, perhaps there was that gave, gave people some time to think. Um, Maybe what so. was it like at, at Humanoids? It was okay at Humanoids on a personal level though. It's, there was a point, mm-hmm. I want to say June or July or something, maybe early on when I realized that it was the first month in 30 years that I hadn't had a new comic book out somewhere on the stands that month. And it was very sobering. Uh, so that would, that took some getting used to is the fact that, you know, my workload took a hit like everybody else's. I mean, Marvel had their, their moments where they had everybody stand down from some, you know, for a little while while they regrouped and some projects were canceled and, you know, I'm doing now more work for DC, but that was just getting up and running. So that was that was bizarre. Very much so. And and how do you feel like your your writing process has it has it changed at all this past year? It has. It has in in ways that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, we are still we're not in a as a nation as a you know as, as a people we're not in the post traumatic stress of all of this yet. We're still in the trauma phase and we've people have literally had their brains rewired because of, of this. I've been talking to my, my therapist is is a, is a notable therapist who spends a lot of time in Washington dealing with Fauci and dealing with a lot of other people Um, Mm. and talking to other mental health professionals. I know it's, the insidious thing about the last year is that it has rewired our, our brains to where concentration is harder to achieve, where I know just speaking from personal experience, and I thought this was unique to me until I talked to doctors and they said, no, 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 we're hearing this a lot, which was that uh, I love to drive. I love to get in the car and go for a drive, go anywhere. Uh, but of course, you know, during the pandemic in early days, you know, I didn't get behind the wheel of my car for a couple of months. So I get out on the road as I'm driving and suddenly I'm twitchy. Suddenly like every noise, every light, every sound is just, you know, can't try, you know, arguing for my attention. And I'm just, you know, I can't, I can't, I, you know, I can barely function. I can't multitask like the, like that because I'm not, suddenly I'm not used to it. And this is a common problem here is that all, if you're, if you go from a, a lifetime you know, a day after day experience of sensory input that you do just living as one does in the world. And then you go into isolation for a few months with no sensory input other than just the occasional TV or whatever. 
then it it messes with your head. So that is, again, a, a very long answer to a short question. But I'm kind of still trying to find my sea legs, to, to be honest. I'm doing more and more work, getting uh, getting more and more writing done. But I'm still trying to find the pocket, you know? And it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I... Your your process before the pandemic were you were you writing at home were you writing in an office? No, I was writing at home. I was yeah. I I'm, yeah. I I tend to need a very quiet, controlled environment when I when I write. Mm-hmm. But the process yeah, was. But you feel like this. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mark. No, I was going to say no. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I but but the process is is just it's just different now. It's the the ability to focus. Uh, which has always been a little bit of a problem for me. I've always been the kind of guy who will write for 30 minutes and then, and then look for any excuse not to write for a little while uh, and fool myself into thinking I'm in control of my time because I'm a freelancer. And in fact, I'm on the clock 24 hours a day because I've set my life up like that. Um, that was the, It's been the case before, but now it's very odd. It is, it is very difficult to to focus and I'm going to, it's a, it's a challenge. I'm going to find a way around it. I'm going to find a way to make it happen. It has nothing to do with, with my love for the medium, my love for the, the characters. So that's good. I don't feel burned out. That's good. So it's just a matter of, of reacclimating. And I think that, you know, as the world begins to get back on the proper axis, I think my creative process probably will too. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and uh, may, maybe you might you might bounce back stronger um, as well because that's Not often the case. As you, as you said, we're, we're we're kind of in this trauma phase still, where yeah. we're still trying to wrap our heads around what on earth has happened for the past year. Yeah, um, it's it's really discombobulating. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll all come back stronger and and I think perhaps different perspectives. And, and it might be good for storytelling. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I hope. Story, yeah, I mean, stories are nothing without conflict, and that's all 2020 was was one big ball of conflict. So, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, now, moving moving away from kind of work and things like that, um, how's your reading been this past year? It, like everybody's more than ever. I have become, yeah. uh, you know, I've always been a reader, but boy, now I, I've got my nose in everything. And, uh, you know, I, but I still follow comics. I still, you know, do my Wednesday. If I'm not doing my Wednesday physical visit, I will pick up some digital books. And, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm still following the books I've always followed and find that there's been some terrific new books this year. Fantastic. Um, and what are some of your standouts from this past year? From, from this past year, I've had a, a bunch of standouts, just narrowing down to a few. Uh, I want to say that one of my favorite new books that's come out is called Jana and the Impo- Unpossible Monsters from Oni Press. And I'm a little biased because it's from my Daredevil collaborator, Chris Somney, the artist, who is now an artist writer because artists realize they don't need writers. And so suddenly they're off making their millions and we're sitting here looking for, looking for work. But that's, I'm, I say that with a big smile on my face. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Chris has found his muse. Uh, and the book is fantastic. It's about a, a, you know, a little cave girl who goes out and, and deals with these gigantic impossible beasts. And I'm not doing it justice by saying it, but it is a beautiful looking book. I think we're up to issue three and I would encourage people to go look for it. 
Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good looking book and really interesting um, story from the sounds of it. And uh, yeah, it's going it's going right onto my um, reading pile. Um, so uh, yeah, I appreciate the um, the nudge on that one. Um, what else has interested you? Another one that I'm, again, a little biased on uh, is a book called Crossover from Image by Donnie Cates, uh, which I'm a little biased on. And he asked me to, to be his editor on the book. And I, he doesn't, you don't really need an editor on this, Donnie. It's creator own, but I will look at your scripts and, you know, change, fix your commas and, you know, change your spelling. Uh, so it's, you know, my, my work here, I, my contribution to this book is, uh, is minimal, not out of any disinterest. I'm really enjoy, enjoying the book. I just want to make sure that I'm, it's clear that I'm not pimping my own stuff, but it's, you know, the, the concept is, you know, it's our world. It's the real world. And then one day something happens years ago, opens up a pocket over Denver and every superhero you've ever heard from and every supervillain you've ever heard from just suddenly has their big crisis right there in the middle of the city, destroying it. And they're still there. And, and the beauty of this is Donnie's not really working with analog care, like, like, you know, all quasi Superman or quasi Batman. He's actually using creator own characters with permission from other people. So when he says crossover, it really is a book that involves a lot of Donnie's creator own characters. Uh, you know, there's irredeemable, there are irredeemable characters in there from our insufferable characters from there, from some of my books. Uh, there's, you know, a bunch of image characters in there from different people. Uh, the powers team from, uh, Bendis, Venice's powers book just showed up. It's a fun, it's a fun book. It really is like a, a universe wide, an industry wide crossover. And I think that he's done well by pulling that off. It's a lot of fun to read. That's fantastic. And yeah, so again, being added to my reading pile, what a great concept. And it's, yeah. it, it takes somebody like Donnie to actually kind of come up with something outlandish like that and try and pull together everybody's characters. Donnie is the the heir apparent to Grant when it comes to the big idea, and uh, he's really pulling it off. Um, another one that I'm, I'm looking at is a book called from Ahoy called The Wrong Earth. It's a it's a franchise. They did a book called the, a miniseries called The Wrong Earth. They've done a sequel now. They're in the middle of called The Wrong Earth, Night and Day. And if you're not familiar with it, it is essentially uh, a parallel world story where the worlds end up crossing over into one another. The one world has a, a character named Dragonfly Man, who is very, very much an Adam West Batman character in the very stilted and very, you know, old fashioned stuck up, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, campy take on, on that character. And then his analog on another planet is a very dark night sort of take on the character called Dragonfly. And, when the two of them end up accidentally falling into one another's earths and having to adapt to being in, you know, your, your, the dark Knight and Adam West's world and you're the Adam, you're Adam West in the dark Knight's world. It really became fun. And, and writer Tom Pyre has really built something out of that. Uh, Jamal Igle works on that as well. It's really, that one I'm, I'm really digging a lot. It's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. And yeah, that's actually come up a, a few times on the podcast. Oh, that's nice. Um, that's good to hear yeah which is which is great i mean it, it, it sometimes appeared on um so sometimes I, I i ask some standard questions and i ask what's what's the most underrated comic and uh wrong earth seems to it seems to appear a couple of times on that That's question cool. um because because we like people are thinking that yeah it, it just needs more 
more of a spotlight on it because it's yeah. fantastic. Um, totally. There's a couple other books that have, have really caught my attention recently that have both been surprises to me, actually. Uh, one of them is Flash, which you would think I would be predisposed to like after writing Flash for you know, 10 years and hundred issues or whatever back in the day. But it's what people don't, what you have to understand is if you're a comic creator and you do a long run on a book and then you leave the book, uh, you have no ill will toward the people who come after you. I mean, I, I like Josh Williamson who did a long run on flash before me. I like him a lot, but it's like seeing an old girlfriend on the street. Like it's, 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 it's you don't, you right. People don't necessarily read the books once they've left them because there's a weird emotional con- con- uh, connection there. That said, uh, a writer named Jeremy Adams has been doing Flash for the last few months. And on a whim, I picked up his first issue and I loved it. I loved it full stop. It really felt very much like it was tonally how I approached the character back in the day. That doesn't automatically make it good. I'm not saying it's good because it's like what I did. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that it was felt very familiar to me and it felt very... Uh, yeah, I, I could really sync up with with the book. I really like what he's doing. It's a it's a, it's a crazy sort of quantum leap take on time travel with Wally West going back and forth through time with the Speed Force. And I don't want to give away too much, but you know, getting to see Impulse again that was fun. Uh, you know, seeing other speedsters that's that's been fun too. It's it really feels like it's a nice callback to the the things I love most about that character. That's fantastic, um, and it's it, it's great when you kind of get that feeling, isn't it? That this this feels familiar but different, and it's yeah. good. <laughs> it feels very in the same spirit okay. as as I tend to approach the Flash. Same, so yeah. I enjoy that. Um, and then I don't know if you've been reading the other history of the DC Universe. You've been reading that? I haven't. No, it's fascinating. It is. It's a. It's by John Ridley. And it's a take on, you know, back in 86, I guess, 86, 87, DC did a book called History of the DC Universe, where it was illustrated text, taking you from, you know, the beginning of time to the end of time, all through the DC Universe, all through its fictional history. And John has approached it with the same illustrated text format, but it's the other history. It's told from the point of view of the characters who are more underrepresented it's being it's told from the first issue i think was told from the point of view of of black lightning so it's very much john ridley's own experiences as a black man and how his how he perceives history uh the next issue was katana uh, a japanese woman and her point of view so so essentially you're looking at the dc the history of the dc universe through the lens of inclusivity through the lens of race through the lens of Mm -hmm. of of eyes that are different than your, than your typical DC heroes. And he's not afraid to, you know, get political with it. He's not afraid to, to get a little dark with it. He doesn't do anything that diminishes the DC characters. He doesn't do anything that makes mm-hmm. them less than lesser than, but boy, it's uh it's a really interesting take. And I, I'm digging it. That's excellent. And it's, it's, it's so good to have your eyes opened a little bit, isn't it? Um, yeah. Through something like that. And uh, yeah. again, yeah, it's going to have to be something that I'm going to have to add <laughs> to yeah. my Evergreen ever reading list. Oh, that's fantastic, Mark. Um, now, one last question that I wanted to, to, to ask you was, how do you balance 
being a publisher, a writer, and sometimes an editor <laughs> as well. Oh, yeah. How do you balance all of that? Are you just able to put on different caps, like at a whim? Or that's, that's kind of what I have to do. I mean, in a in an ideal world, what I'm doing is I'm taking a day for writing and a day for publishing business, but it never works that way. It, stuff is on fire no matter what. So it really is a case of me for 15 hours a day, just sitting in one chair and, you know, moving from computer to computer and, and platform to platform. And there's a zoom meeting at two, but I've got to get a script in at three, but there's a, something to review at four o'clock. And the guy's looking for a verdict on his uh, pitch by five o'clock. And it's, it's okay. I mean, again, I, it's, it's frustrating and it's hectic sometimes, but it's comics. Look, it, I, it's a, still a dream job. It's still, I, you know, I, if I, I've, everybody in comics knows that if you get frustrated with your job in comics, if you start to get angry or upset or bitter about being in comics, go watch a guy shovel asphalt for half an hour and come back to your desk. Exactly. You know, you're just a pretty choice job you got here. So it's, it's challenging to go back and forth, but I, I kind of like the activity of it. I like the fact that I get bored easily. So it's easy to, it's nice that things kind of pinball back and forth all day. That's amazing. Um, true, truly inspiring, Mark. And uh, yeah, thank you for, for sparing the time to, to, to fit us in. Not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's like, very much a pleasure. Schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, Mark Wade, thank you so much for sharing your comics for the pandemic. Um, as I say, it's been, it really has been an absolute pleasure and an honour. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully um, when comic cons get back up and running, our, our paths may cross um, at one of those in the future. I look forward to that. Thank you very much, Mark. You take you care. You too. Bye for now. Thanks again to Mark for being on comics for the pandemic. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Mark's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.